Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden. Today's guest describes himself as a used pouch salesman. He also says that some of the world's biggest problems, like single-use plastic rubbish, can only be solved by entrepreneurs brave enough to walk the talk. Mike Smith is co-founder of Australian company ZeroCo, who are on a mission to stop single-use plastic. Since their launch in 2019, the personal care and cleaning products brand is already achieving huge milestones, like pulling 10 tonnes of plastic from the ocean to make its refillable forever bottles, and becoming the most successful startup to hold a crowdfunding campaign in Australian history. I can't wait for you to learn about this business. It's a, a David to many of the Goliath companies in the household products category, and in true David form, kicking some big goals. Mike, welcome to the For Love and Money podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Lovely to meet you. And you. So uh, let's kick off with um, the first question I have for you, which is when you think about purpose in business, um, what role do you think love has to play, if any? It's a really great question. I think sometimes love is a very powerful emotion. And I think other times anger is a very powerful emotion. And I think we have a healthy mix of both of those here at Zeroco. Um, <laughs> I, I get I get very angry when I see plastic waste um, junking up our oceans and our planet. Um, but that is counted by my deep love for the outdoors. Um, the best times of my life have happened in nature. My, the best moments, my best memories um, have either been in the mountains or in the ocean. Um, and so I think having a healthy mix of both anger and love is very important in a mission-based business. Yeah, brilliant. I love the the connection you've made between the two. And, um, and I guess the thing that brings it together is passion isn't it? Correct. Like it, that yeah. anger is, is linked to solving a problem that you, you feel deeply angry about and that you care enough about um, linked to the love you feel for the natural environment. Love, love that answer. <laughs> okay, now tell us about the ZeroCo origin story. Why did you start it? What were you doing? Um, give us the background. Yeah, sure. So in at the end of 2017, I sold my previous business, which was a, a winemaking, a wine brand called Cake Wines. Um, I convinced my now lovely wife, Alyssa, to pack up our lives um, into tiny little backpacks and go on the most crazy adventure possible, um, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. We went to some of the most remote and far-flung corners of the planet. That was kind of the brief. We wanted to get as far away from the tourist trail as possible and get out into wilderness and see some super you know, remote parts of the world. Um, so we, we spent 18 months essentially trekking and living in a tent for most of that time. Um, and went to some really, really rugged, wild places. We, um, we trekked along the border of Afghanistan and Tajikistan for about four weeks. Wow. Um, we stayed in Kurdish villages along the um, Iraq-Iran border. We went to Camp Chatka in the far northeast of Russia, up opposite Alaska. Um, I even went to, to North Korea. So, you know, we went to some really crazy places. You really places. did go far <laughs> flung. You didn't hold back, did you? Totally, totally. And um, look, I was just horrified by the amount of plastic waste and, and just rubbish in general that I saw in some really beautiful remote pockets of the world. And it really affected me. Um, 
prior to that trip, I wasn't especially aware of the plastic problem, you know, no more than the average punter is. Um, I still don't consider myself an eco-warrior. I certainly wasn't um, leading up to that trip. Um, but seeing the scale of the problem, seeing how pervasive the plastic problem is, really, really affected me. So I came back to Australia um, at the start of 2019 and I said, as woefully unqualified as I am to try and solve this problem, um, I'm going to commit this next stage of my life um, to trying to solve the global single-use plastic problem. And that is essentially all that I have thought about every waking moment in the last three years. Wow. And and you threw yourself right into the centre of that problem with household products. Yeah, totally. So I, when I came back to Australia, I, I was pretty agnostic about um, the, the industry that I was going to go into. I, I basically came back and said to myself, I want to build a company that is mission-driven, um, that is trying to solve this single-use plastic problem, but is a, a, you know, a for-profit enterprise um, and had to do two things, had to stop single-use plastic being made in the first place and had to fund ocean cleanups. They were the, that was the brief I gave myself. Um, what industry I went into to do that, I, I was completely agnostic about. I started spending time at the supermarket because that's you know a place where lots of single-use plastic is purchased. Found myself spending more and more time in the last three aisles of the supermarket where you know the personal care and home cleaning products are sold. Um, and I just started to realize that it's a really big industry, right? Multi-billion dollar industry in Australia, personal care and home cleaning. And those last three aisles of the supermarket are wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, single-use plastic. Mm. And there's been no innovation in the category for a very long time. You know, laundry liquid is the same today as it was 30 years ago. Essentially, the bottles still look the same. The formulas still do the same thing. So I said to myself, okay, I'm going to build an epic personal care and home cleaning business that makes incredible products that work as well, if not better than what you buy at the supermarket um, without any single use plastic. And we're going to use the funds from this business to go and do ocean cleanups. So that was that was how it all got started. That's incredible. And so when was this? This was 2019. 2019, that, that all started happening, yeah. So so what, one thing you mentioned that I just would like to dig into a little bit more, you decided it was going to be a for-profit business. Yep. As opposed to a social enterprise, what was your thinking around that? Yeah, so I, I often talk about um, the need for um, entrepreneurs and startups to evolve to what I call kind of mission-driven 2.0. So if you think about the, the first generation of for-purpose companies, there's been a, a number of them, you know, who gives a crap and thank you in particular in Australia, you know, kind of blaze the trail for everyone, have been incredibly successful businesses. Um, and their business model is basically, we're going to make a product that doesn't necessarily solve a problem and doesn't necessarily do anything good for the world. And then if and when we become profitable, we'll use our profits to then go and do some good in the world, which is amazing. And both of those businesses has, have done a huge amount of good. Um, but the challenge that I saw with that model is that the vast majority of startups fail, right? Mm. Um, the vast majority of them never get to profitability. And so therefore, you essentially are trading on this goodwill and, and telling people you're going to donate profits to doing something good in the world, if and when those profits ever come. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to try and build a, a kind of purer model that made sure that we were doing good from day one. Um, and so our business model is that the mission is baked into the product, right? Yeah. Um, so that every time somebody buys one of our products, they are directly funding ocean cleanups and directly yep. stopping single-use plastic. So whether we get to profitability or not is irrelevant. 
Um, you know, we're only we've only been shipping product to customers for eighteen months now, so we're still very very early in our journey. We haven't broken even just yet. Yeah, um, it's probably going to take us three years to get there. But we've already pulled one million water bottles worth of rubbish out of the ocean. Um, so so that that was the that that's been the theory from day one about building a a for profit mission driven business where the mission and the product are the same thing, not an afterthought. Yeah, that's brilliant. So so tell us. Um, tell us, tell us about your products. Tell us how it works because you, so you've got sort of two parts to your mission, don't you? So perhaps you can start with that. Yeah, totally. So the mission is stop single use plastic being made in the first place and fund ocean cleanups. So we make a range of personal care and home cleaning products. So things like shampoo, conditioner, hand wash, body wash, laundry liquid, dishwashing liquid. Um, and when a customer, um, when someone joins the Zero Co community as a customer in their first order, they get a set of what we call forever bottles, which are made from plastic pulled out of the ocean, collected off beaches and diverted from landfill. So the forever bottle deals with part one of the mission, which is funding ocean cleanups. Um, and then you also get a set of reusable refill pouches. So you fill up your forever bottle with your refill pouch. And then when you've collected 15 empty refill pouches, you send them back to us in a reply paid envelope. So we cover the cost of return shipping. We then clean, sanitize, refill those pouches and send them back out to another customer. So the Forever Bottle deals with ocean cleanups and the reusable refill pouch stops single-use plastic. Brilliant, brilliant. And it's such a simple idea, isn't it? Like I can imagine you sitting around a dining table with your wife and friends going, this is how we can do it. Yeah, um, totally. But, but the, imp the, the idea may be simple, but the implementation, I imagine, is, um, is not Quite Correct. Totally, totally. So this is my third business that I've had in the last 15 years. Um, and, and it is by a very long margin, the most complex business that mm. I've ever um, been involved with. Um, you know, we are doing so many things uh, that have never been done before. So we've had to invent so many systems and processes and supply chains. Um, you know, it's been a massive innovation journey from working out how do you collect plastic off the beach in Australia? How do you clean that plastic? How do you process that plastic? How do you turn it into a bottle? Um, then how do you build a refill pouch that can be reusable um, and is made from recycled materials? So we're using about 40% recycled plastic in our refill pouches. Um, that's a world first. And then we had to work out how are we going to clean and sanitize pouches at scale, right? Because um, we knew Ooh. we wanted to have a massive impact on this problem. So we had to go and design and build um, the world's first pouch cleaning machine, which has taken us, <laughs> you know, 18 months of development and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, but we now have in our possession the world's first pouch cleaning machine, which can clean and sanitize pouches basically to a medical grade standard um, and enables us to, to scale the business. And so is that, I mean, I can see the complexities in the business just, just through what you've shared there. Is that um, something that you undertake yourselves as a business or do you partner with companies to help you achieve all of this? Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so from the ocean cleanup perspective, we do a bunch of stuff ourselves. We also partner with a number of not-for-profit organisations. Um, so that's a, a kind of dual stream of, of ocean cleanups. The, the processing of the plastic is done at a third-party recycling facility here in Australia. Yep. Um, and then the bottle manufacturing is done by a third-party manufacturer uh, here in Australia also. Uh, and then the pouch cleaning process is all done in-house by Xeroco. 
Wow. Okay. So, so that's the world first thing. It is. It is. It is. How, yes. So how do you how do you do that? Can I ask? <laughs> how do we do it? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a, a a machine that we've built, which has basically got a big long conveyor belt, um, and the pouches attached to the conveyor belt upside down, mm. and then pass through six different stages on this machine where various things happen to them. So the first two stages, a spear goes up through the conveyor belt inside the pouch and cleans and sanitizes the inside of the pouch. Then the next two stations, um, there's a sanitizing solution that's um, blasted onto the outside of the pouch. And then the final um, phases of the machine, there is um, the bags are inflated to check that there's no holes in it. So a pressure test is done and then goes through a drying system and comes out the end ready to get refilled again. So at any point during this process, as you were starting this business and realizing what it was going to take to make it happen, yep. was there any point where you just went, no, this is crazy? <laughs> yes, yes. And it happens almost every single day, to be completely honest. I still have those moments all the time because um, it is crazy, right? Well, what we are trying to do is ridiculous. We are trying to reinvent one of the oldest and largest industries on the planet, right? We are going up against multi-billion dollar behemoth companies who have spent the last hundred years polluting the planet, um, building a one-way supply chain that means oil gets pulled out of the ground, turned into brand new plastic, made into a bottle that you go to the shops and buy, use for a couple of weeks and then throw in the bin. And only 15% of that plastic is actually being recycled in Australia, which means 85% ends up in landfill. Um, and this is going on all around the world. And we've come along and said, That's, that sucks. We can't do that anymore. Um, we're going we're gonna to work out a better way to do it. And we're a tiny little startup from Byron Bay. There's 30 of us in this business now. So, yeah, it's ridiculous what we are doing. It's crazy. And I think almost every day to myself, this is crazy what you're trying to do. But somebody has to do it, right? Um, and the big guys have been totally negligent in solving this problem. And so my hope is we can either do one or two things, right? We can either prove that we can scale this business model, that it can become profitable and scalable. And therefore, there is no reason for the big guys not to replicate the model. Or two, we get to such a big scale that we become such a pain in the ass that those that the big guys have to copy us because we're eroding their business model. Um, so one of those two things I hope happens and we can force those other big polluting companies to change their attitude about how they treat the planet. That's That's the goal. That's the big mission here. I love that. And it goes right back to where we started with love and anger. Like those moments where you go, what the hell? You know, this is nuts. It comes totally. back to how intensely, you know, you feel those two emotions of love and anger and what you want to do about it. Um, but but clearly, you know, this is um, either crazy or I would say brave, courageous leadership that um, that the world needs right now. That reinvention you talked about, Mike, that also extends to consumer behavior, doesn't it? Because you're asking your customers to be a part of this. You're asking them to actually, you know, return the pouches. And that must be a tricky part of it. Tell, yeah, tell, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, totally. So, look, I think to solve this problem, um, and, and I say this almost every day, we, we all need to work together, right? This, this, this can't just be solved by one person or one company or one individual. Um, and I think what has happened historically with with these big polluting companies is they've put the problem onto the customer um, and then they've put it onto local councils right they've said you guys deal with all this rubbish that we are making as a business it's your it's your problem not ours 
Um, and so what we have said is it is our problem. It is our responsibility. If we are creating packaging, then we have a moral responsibility to ensure that that packaging is dealt with um, properly. And, and we feel we are responsible for that, not the taxpayer, um, not the end user. So what we are hoping to do here is inspire everyday Aussies from all walks of life to stop using single-use plastic and to join Zerica. And, and that does involve a little bit of work from their part, which is sending the pouches back to us. And then we will take care of that packaging, right? Um, we clean it, we sanitize it, we reuse it. And the stuff that we can't reuse, we get recycled and we bear the, the financial burden of doing that. I love the way you frame that, you know, just... <laughs> We've just accepted how things are, but but the very fact is, you know, you you say that the the big companies have put the problem onto consumers and onto councils, when in fact it should be their responsibility, and that's absolutely right. Totally, yeah. It, like it's it's crazy that we don't all think about this in this way, right? Like, imagine if a new product came along um, that was going to destroy the planet, and the company said, we're just going to make it and it's only going to last for two weeks and then we're not going to take any responsibility for what happens to it after those two weeks, right? You'd be like, no way, that's not going to happen. But that's how we think about plastic. Like that's literally how we think about almost every single thing we buy from the supermarket. And it's Companies, also how we think about business, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It's it's mind-boggling that, that we are still in this place in 2022. Yes, yes. But it feels like things are shifting Right. Yeah. So we're recording this interview after after the 2022 election here in Australia and um, big change is afoot um, going in the right direction, I would say. Totally. Um, yep. So tell us, um, tell us first about your crowdfunding campaign, because it was quite an event from all the media I've seen about it. Yeah. So, look, we've done two crowdfunding campaigns. So we did our first one in 2019, which was a Kickstarter campaign, which was um, a traditional crowdfunding campaign where we asked people to pre-order a box of our products, right? Yep. Um, and it went on to be the most successful Kickstarter campaign of 2019. We had about 7,000 Aussie households pre-order a box of our products, which gave us about $750,000 to enable us to get this business off the ground, to make all the products, design all the products, go and do ocean cleanups, um, get it all started, right? Yep. And so then off the back of that success, um, we, we kind of built this mentality of what we're really doing here is, is building a people-powered solution to the plastic problem. Um, and so community sits at the heart of everything we're trying to do at Zeroco. So then when we got down the road a little bit and we started to scale our business and we wanted to grow even faster, we knew we needed to raise some money. So we thought to ourselves, why don't we go and give our most loyal customers our community and, and the people who um, pre-ordered a box of our products way back a year ago, why don't we give them an opportunity to buy shares in our company? And so the government, the federal government, um, created some new legislation to allow privately held companies to raise money publicly, right, which you couldn't ever do before. And so there's this whole new industry now called equity crowdfunding, yep. which is selling shares in your company as opposed to selling a product. Um, and so we, we launched a equity crowdfunding campaign last October, it was, um, and it went on to become the, the largest and the fastest crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding campaign in Australian history. We ended up um, selling $5 million worth of shares to um, about 3,000 customers, and it was all done and dusted in about six hours. Um, so it was a pretty wild, pretty wild day. Um, and we now have 
I now have 3,000 business partners who are, you know, financially incentivized to help us solve this problem. So not only are they um, morally excited about what we're doing, not only are they passionate about the mission, but there's now a financial incentive um, for them to help us spread the word, spread the mission and, and solve this problem. So I think it's, it's incredible to have such a large group of people whose interests are aligned, right? Yeah, and fantastic. The, the mission and, and the financials are all totally aligned with a large group of our customers now, which is great. And how do you communicate with them? Like how, how does that work? Like with- I, I call each and every one of them every day, <laughs> individually. <laughs> um, no, we, we've, got a, we, you know, we've got a mailing list that he set up for our, our shareholders now. Um, I, I send out an email once a quarter to everyone and give them an update on the business, a warts and all reality check on where we're at, the wins, the losses, um, the opportunities, the threats. Um, we actually just w- ran our first ever shareholder event. We went up to Gari, formerly known as Fraser Island, last weekend um, for a, a bit of a retreat. We took 25 customer shareholders with us and we did a, a beach cleanup, three-day beach cleanup. We pulled 1,200 kilos of rubbish off the beach over Fantastic. Days, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the stuff. We're looking to do more and more of that kind of um, community building stuff with our shareholder group. Brilliant, brilliant. And so I, I just want to highlight that um, this was – so your equity crowdfunding campaign um, broke the Australian – or set the Australian record for the fastest raise. Um, you broke the $3 million barrier – in 47 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. What was that like, watching that go off? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so we, we were kind of quietly confident that we were going to reach the $5 million target. So $5 million is the maximum you're legally allowed to raise in Australia through an equity crowdfunding campaign in any 12-month period. Um, and so we, you can set whatever limit you want, right? You can raise 100 grand, you can raise up to $5 million. We said, let's try and raise $5 million. Um, and we were we were quietly confident because we ran a, you know, we were talking to our customers for probably six months prior to us launching the campaign, letting them know we were thinking about doing it. And we started to build a mailing list um, of people who were interested. Uh, and so we had a pretty massive list. I think we had about 15,000 people that wanted to participate. So we were... We were pretty confident we were going to be able to raise the $5 million. And, and we thought it might take two weeks. We had a four-week campaign period. Um, and then when we turned the campaign live, um, the amount of traffic that went to the site actually crashed the crowdfunding platform that we were using. Um, and so it took about half an hour for that to get all fixed up and people could jump back in. And then it just um, like it just kind of skyrocketed out of control. Um and, you know, the first million dollars was done in, I don't know, 15 minutes or something wild, <laughs> right? It was just really, really crazy. Uh, it, it, was, it was a bit of a blur. It was almost like a, um, a cheesy Hollywood startup movie. We were all kind of dancing and hooting and running around in the office. Not a lot of work got Love done that, that day. Uh, but it was just, it was, um, it was super exciting, obviously, but also very humbling to see that there are so many people out there who, you know, believe in me, believe in the team that we've built here. Um, and are willing to put their hard-earned money where their mouth is and back a business that, you know, may fail, right? We're, we're still a startup. This, this whole thing might fall over, um, but people want to see businesses like this given a shot and given a chance to grow and, and to, um, to solve problems like this. So it's, um, it's exciting. It's humbling. It's a little bit daunting, to be honest. Um, yeah. Still a whole bunch of emotions, you know, on a daily basis about, 
you know, the responsibility we have now that we've taken $5 million from everyday Aussies right around Australia. I take that responsibility very, very seriously. Um, but also it gives me a lot of confidence that there are people who, who believe in us. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's a lot of people out there who believe in you. And that also extends to um, you've got additional investment as well, haven't you, uh, haven't you, from investment, VC funds? Yeah, we brought in a number of VC funds. Um, so we've done three three capital raising rounds now, um, an angel round and then a kind of pre-seed round then the, the, the round that we just did in conjunction with the equity crowdfunding round. Um, so yeah, we've got some some very sophisticated investors involved in the business as well, which is great. Fantastic. Enjoying the podcast? If you're looking for more inspiration, head to our website, thecauseeffect.com.au for more resources on how you can start using your business as a force for good. Or buy the For Love and Money book. Every copy sold allows us to protect one square metre of rainforest. Help us save 10,000 square metres by 2025. And so what's your plan? Like with, with that money that you've got to now invest, um, what's your plan going forward for the business? Yeah, so we want to, first of all, we want to expand our product range. So we just launched um, four new products about a month ago, shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, and body lotion. Um, we've got a whole bunch of, I think there's about 15 new products in development at the moment. Wow. The goal, the goal is to have, you know, every personal care and home cleaning product that everyday Aussies use in their homes available through ZeroCo with no single use plastic and funding ocean cleanups. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're, we've had about, I think we're just about to tick over 60,000 households who have now purchased a product from us. We want to get That's that amazing. To it is amazing. It's incredible. But, you know, we want to get that to a million households if we're going to have a really big scaled impact on the yep. planet. So we're talking to retailers at the moment, supermarkets, pharmacies, um, health food stores. We, we want ZeroCo to be available every single place that every Aussie shops so that it becomes super convenient and super easy for, you know, everyone to stop using single-use plastic. Right, so you're looking at increasing your distribution through live um, through retail as well. Fantastic, yep. and that would hopefully then become a drop-off point for pouches. Correct. Potentially, okay, yep. and that's yep. how you scale. That's how you scale. Um, and did did I hear somewhere that you're also looking at international expansion? We are. It is on the list of things that we're going to go after. I think we've got to solve a few problems here in Australia. We need to prove that we can scale out the business. We need to prove that we can be both an online business and a retail business. Um, we need to prove that we can launch this next range of products. So there are things we need to get right before we go overseas. Um, but I started this business wanting to have a, a global impact. And so that's part of the roadmap when we get everything sorted in Australia. Yeah, brilliant. Mike, tell me about your customers. Like, have you been able to understand who they are, like, you know, are they younger, are they more urban? What are the characteristics? You know who they are? Go they're on. All, they're all legends. That's who they are. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> um, no, it's it's people from all walks of life. Um, it's people from all around Australia, first of all. This is not just a kind of inner city lefty hipster Fantastic. thing. Yeah, um, it, it is grandparents in regional Australia. It's tradies in mining towns. You know, it's it's people from all walks of life, um, and that's that's the thing that has been the most heartening for us from the very beginning. Even when we ran our first ever Kickstarter campaign, eighty two percent of people who backed our Kickstarter had never funded a Kickstarter campaign before. So that's that's extraordinary. Um, 
it's an awesome mix. And, and when we did our um, our shareholder um, cleanup at Gari last weekend, we had a seven-year-old and we had a 65-year-old um, and everyone in between, which was amazing. That, uh, that makes me incredibly happy to hear that. I think too often, um, you know, um, people who care about our environment get written off as not just woke, but as a certain demographic, you know, your inner city or your urbanites or, or whatever it may be, um, or younger consumers. And it's simply not the case. Um, I, I remember um, going to the launch of Patagonia Provisions years mm. ago in our little local man, manly Patagonia store. And, you know, everybody there cared about the environment, but there were people every single different age was in the room, was represented, and you could see people from all walks of life. And totally. equally, um, I interviewed uh, Simon Shake, co-founder of yep. Future Super on the yep. podcast, and I remember he told me at one point that um, one, one of their most passionate customers is a coal miner. Yep, awesome. But, you know, he is he's he cares about the environment and actually wants to do something about it. So he invests his super with future super. So yep, it's totally it, it's not a fringe issue. It is a huge issue and people are waking up to it. Definitely. So, you know, I think I think businesses like yours that are actually, you know, striking out and doing something different and brave and, and giving people an alternative, um, it, yeah, people will not only welcome it, but they'll jump in to collaborate and do what they can. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, um, you know, the, the election result from a couple of days ago speaks volumes about that. Um, if you had have said to someone a decade ago that there were going to be multiple Greens candidates elected in Queensland, in the lower house. In Queensland. In Queensland. <laughs> I, people I know. People laughed at you, right? Yeah. So that, that, that's how serious um, the support for looking after our planet is. And, and it's not, you don't have to be a crazy extremist, yeah. you know, eco-warrior. Oh, that is not me, right? Um, it's not most of our customers. But I think everyone, well, lots and lots and lots of people realise now that we are not treating the planet very well and it's the only planet we have to live on and we just got to do better. Absolutely. And ignoring that fact is actually the most irrational um, thing that you can e even consider. It, it's, you know, um, environmentalists or people who just simply care about our planet get written off as highly emotional and irrational, but it's quite the opposite. I actually think that is rational. Ignoring it and putting your head in the sand is the irrational behaviour. So yep, Totally agree. Um, I love your approach, like on your website and in your marketing. You, you've just got such a beautiful, light-hearted approach um, <laughs> to your brand. Um, who who developed that for you? Did that come internally, or did you work with an agency? Yeah, that that came from us internally. Um, and one of the things that I did when I started this business was I I sat down and I, I wrote out the the kind of five company or brand values, right? Um, and they have all got, they're all, all been made up into a poster and they're, they're all five of them hang on the wall in the office um, above where everyone sits. So it, it guides and it dictates everything that we do. Um, and one of those brand values is be like Kathy. Um, and it comes from that moment when Kathy Freeman won the gold medal at the Sydney Olympics. Um, and she draped herself in the Australian flag and the Aboriginal flag and she ran around that track. 
And for that little moment in Australian history, all of the divisions in our country just evaporated, right? And we were united and rallied around this incredible Indigenous woman who had just done an amazing thing and won a gold medal on her home soil, right? Um, and so that's what we are trying to do at Xerico. We are trying to create this unified movement of people who come from all different walks of life and have all different types of backgrounds and all different types of perspectives about the world, but come together because we want to take care of the planet. Um, and then one of the other brand values that we have is, is lovable larrikins, which comes from the castle, right? The film, the castle, which is about one man's um, mission to take on the federal government um, and try and deal with a really big issue, but at the same time would take the piss out of himself and didn't take himself too seriously and managed to make a very serious and, and complex issue lighthearted. And so we take those two things very seriously at Xerico and, and we believe if we can make people smile or have a laugh while they are solving a big problem in the world, then we've got a chance at building a community. And if we can build a community, we've got a chance at solving this problem. So it's all very strategic what we are doing. And that comes from those, those kind of two values that we've set for ourselves. That's fabulous. And you just gave me goosebumps when you were talking about Kathy Freeman and, you know, um, creating a unified movement. That's amazing. Are you, are you going to share with us the other values? Yes. So one of them is radical transparency, which is something we take to heart, which basically says, if you've got nothing to hide, um, then don't hide anything. Um, and so we do this every day. We, we wear our hearts on our sleeves. We are vulnerable. Um, I, I, as the leader of the business, probably try and do this more than any other value and just be radically transparent and radically honest with people. When things don't go right, we own up to it. You, you, you know, if you go onto our social channels, you'll see multiple videos of me explaining all the things that we've got wrong, all the mistakes that we've made, all the things that we've learned. Um, and people resonate with it because if you're just honest, um, then people can't fault you for it. You know, everybody makes mistakes. We're all humans. Um, and that's the nature of life um, as, as well as business. Uh, the other one is um, less talk, more rock, which comes from this concept of the world is full of people who talk about things they're going to do. There's lots of gunners out there, right? Um, the, the world faces many, many problems and we don't need people talking about solutions. We need people building solutions. Even if they're imperfect, just get out and start doing it. And Zeroco isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but we've just got to start somewhere. And so I try and um, get our team to just get busy, get their hands dirty, get things done. Uh, and then the final one is Relentless Pioneers, which is inspired by Fred Hollows. Um, and that's about constantly looking for better ways to do things, constantly looking for solutions, always leading with the solution, not with the problem, um, and relentlessly pioneering our way to a better future. That is amazing, Mike. I think you have just inspired a whole stack of people to probably uh, re revisit their values. Hopefully. <laughs> That'd be amazing. And hopefully they're doing it as they're also re-looking at their mission and their purpose and rethinking, you know, what value their their business is there, is there to offer. Um, lovable larrikins, what, one of the images that popped out to me when I was looking at your social media was... Um, was you doing the Kim Kardashian pose. <laughs> Do you want to describe that uh, for our listeners, if you can? Um, I, yes. <laughs> Please do. So it's, a, it's from a meme, right? There was a meme of Kim Kardashian kind of leaning forward and making, a, I guess, a shelf out of her backside with a bottle of um, 
sparkling or champagne on it, I think, and then holding a glass in her hand and the wine was shooting over her head into the glass in her, in her <laughs> hand. Um, we recreated that scene uh, in Photoshop um, the, the day that we, we broke the Australian equity crowdfunding um, record, basically. Brilliant. Brilliant. What are you most proud of when it comes to your business so far? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm proud of the fact that we have persevered through a lot in a very short amount of time. Um, we've only, you know, been a, a real live business um, for about 18 months now. So 18 months ago, we shipped our first product to our customers. Um, prior to that, we, we were building our products and trying to launch our business during COVID. So, you know, it was the worst possible time in my life, you know, in, in my lifespan to kind of try and launch a business as, you know, the world went into lockdown, supply chains got thrown into chaos. Um, we, we persevered through that really crazy moment. Um, we've, we've taken a hundred no's a day almost, people telling us why this thing won't work, why we're not the people that can pull it off, why they won't partner with us. You know, it's been no after no after no after no. And as a team, we have had really thick skin and we persevered through all of that and kept, you know, true to the mission and running towards this future that is free of single-use plastic. And, you know, have been able to build, you know, a business that is has scaled very, very quickly. Um, there's still a heap of work to do, but we've been able to kind of wear our hearts on our sleeves, stay true to the mission, keep pushing forward and just kind of run through a million roadblocks, which is I'm super proud that we've been able to do that as a business and build a team that are resilient enough to deal with that stuff. I think what you've done is amazing and and you have pioneered, talk about um, relentless pioneers, you've pioneered a whole new model for business um, and I think that's something to be incredibly proud of. Um, as we start to wrap up, I want to, I want to bring it back to the theme of this podcast for love and money. Um, what is your view on that relationship, the relationship between love and money or purpose and profit? Yeah, totally. I think, um, I think there, was a, there was a moment not that long ago where there was a bit of scepticism um, and cynicism around people who wanted to make money whilst doing something good in the world. Um, there was almost this guilt that, like, you're not allowed to be rich and be doing something good in the world. Or you're not allowed to pursue wealth and and doing good and i think it was a really toxic culture to be honest um because if you think about the history of capitalism it has been making money by destroying the planet that, that's what it that's what that's how the global economy has been built by taking finite resources out of the planet and making money out of them and we're now moving into this world where people are making money by fixing the problems and solving some of the problems in the world um, and that's incredible. That's where the entire economy needs to move to. Like we, we need to be celebrating people who become millionaires and billionaires and build incredible businesses that are doing good. That's, that's like, I want kids to grow up these days going, I want to be an entrepreneur that makes the world a better place. Cause that's how, that's how we're going to solve some of these big fundamental problems in the world. And so, yeah, um, it, it is totally about passion and profit. They've got to be together in the future. And you really can't scale any impact you've got without profitability, can you? Yeah, totally. Like it, it's it's got to be both of those things. And I think any business that going forward wants to scale and wants to have a role in the world and in people's lives and in culture, 
they've got to be doing good for the world because people are waking up, you know, very, very quickly to the fact that most companies at best don't do anything good and at worst are doing detriment to the world. And so if you want to scale and want to be successful, you have to be a, a mission-driven business in the future. I, I, I truly, truly believe that. The, the biggest, the companies that will succeed in the future are the ones who are solving fundamental problems in the world. Yeah, I absolutely share that um, belief with you. And I also like the way earlier in our interview you you distinguished um, the sort of um, 2.0, mission-driven 2.0, as being not about, you know, just create having a product that, that still contributes to the problem and then giving back, but about actually building a business and products or services that solve the problem. I think another guest that came on um, earlier was um, James Bartle from Outland Denim. Yep. And um, and I think, you know, their business is similar in that respect. It's a 2.0 mission driven. Um, so we're going to wrap up and um, I've got a final question for you. Today in 2022, we're just eight years off um, the 2030 target date for the uh, UN Global Goals. Clearly, business needs to be a, an active part of the solution, yet there are still some business leaders who they're still unsure about how far to lean into social purpose. Uh, you know, with my discussions with people, I feel this kind of like want to, as a person I want to, as a human I want to, but how far I can go because business, you know, this is what business is like. So do I just do this? So, Mike, if you could share one thing to convince them just how vital social purpose is, what would it be? I would say just think about how far you want to lean in as a person and then do twice as much. Lean oh, in yes. twice as far as that um, because it's everything. And the, and the best companies in the world are the ones who are, who are leaning into looking after the planet. It's just the objective reality of the world and it's only going to be more and more in the future. And so if you're not doing that, you are going to be left behind. That's the, from a purely financial commercial perspective, you should be doing things that are good for the planet because that's what's going to make you money in the future. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much um, to you and your wife and your team and your shareholders for building a business, a human business that people can be proud of, every single stakeholder in your business can feel proud of. And thank you for coming onto our podcast and sharing your story. Thanks, Mike. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the For Love and Money podcast. If you'd like to take a deeper dive into the purpose movement, visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au. And remember, doing good is good for business. So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?